Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making this place, coastal Mississippi, such an amazing place to live, work, and play. You know, I could literally talk about this every day. The, the string of guests that we've had on the show have just been remarkable and incredible. The, the commitment they make to this community, uh, the contributions they make through their businesses or through their contributions in their professional worlds is, uh, is really inspiring. And I certainly have had a string of them recently. Um, I, I want to just kind of bring your attention to one that's coming up Monday. It's with Jeannie Lucky. Jeannie's story is one about overcoming the odds and about perseverance, and I really enjoyed, I, I, I really look forward to having that conversation with Jeannie. She's just just a terrific leader, and we'll get, we'll get to see, um, you know, her story. You know, I, I was really su- surprised in, in doing research that Hurricane Katrina hits, she loses her house. Three days later, she's in a severe car wreck and with major spinal damage. And uh, and she is just her spirit is an amazing spirit and what she's done to come back and, and contribute to this community, not really across the state and even nationally has been something to behold. So I look forward to that conversation on Monday. Hey, today we got a great we have, of course, Jeff Duncan in the first half of the show and then Craig and Shari Davis coming up in the second half of the show. They have. The bootleg leg, Howe and and um, and and Biloxi, and of course the Jackson Pearl and Ocean Springs, and they they came here from from California, and uh, they've really put their anchor down here and invested heavily and have so many entrepreneurial efforts that they're involved in that they're just terrific people and look forward to that conversation coming up in the second half. So with all that said, let's turn to my friend Jeff Duncan. The uh, columnist and writer, award winner for NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. He's written the book, the books with a plural, on the Saints. And uh, he's my friend. We worked together when we were in New Orleans together. And he's a regular here on Coastview. So it's great to have you back, my friend. Great to be back, Ricky. Let's uh, let's get into it. Yeah. So where are you <laughs> sitting right now? It's a bit d- different background. Uh, I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Good so, for you. Not for far. You. Hey, I'm not far from the Waldorf Astoria Biltmore Hotel. I'm not in the Biltmore Hotel. I don't think we can afford that, but uh, it's not far away. I know this area really well because the NFL owners, when they have their West Coast meetings, they almost always have them out here at the Biltmore Hotel in Scottsdale. So I've been out to this area a bunch of times for owners' meetings. Yeah, so look, here is a, a bit of a disclaimer. We're actually taping this on Thursday. It's not going to play until Friday, unfortunately. So we'll just we'll keep that in mind as we go through the conversation. Um, you know, it will you know the game will have been played by the time this gets done. But we can, we'll talk a lot about what you expect to see in the game and this sort of some of these these uh, storylines that are that are that are rolling out of this. So um, you know, it's been an interesting season as you and I were talking about before we came on the show. The Saints could easily be five and one right now, and uh, I hope by the time this airs that we're that 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 fans are are happy they won and that they're teetering, as you said during before we started the show, they're teetering and they're teetering toward winning instead of losing. But how do you read what you see these days? 
Well, there's a lot of factors that go into this disappointing start. I mean, uh, they just haven't played well as a team yet. I think they've finally kind of found their identity on offense. Like we said, even way back in preseason, I think I've told you a few times, this isn't going to be some high-flying Drew Brees passing attack. That's just not how this team's built. They're going to be a run-first team with a balanced offense trying to use the passing game to move the chains. Every once in a while, take a deep a deep shot. But they found their identity offensively, even without all the, all the offensive stars that they've been missing, especially at the receiving position. But defensively, they're, they're still kind of trying to figure things out. And that's what's been the biggest surprise is they've not played dominant defense like we all thought. And it's all it takes, Ricky, just that little, you know, be off just a little bit in this league, as competitive as it is. And you can end up being two and four instead of four and two. And that's kind of where the Saints were going into that Arizona game. And uh, I think there's no reason for this team to panic. They've got a lot of guys hurt that I think they'll get back during this. It's almost like a mini bye week after the Arizona game because you play early on Thursday. You've got like a long break after that. Uh, before they play Las Vegas or Baltimore, I should say. So they've got a chance to get some of these key players back. Mike Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, Jarvis Landry. I mean, Andres Pete is out now. Uh, Adam Troutman, their tight end, is out now. They're missing basically six, seven offensive starters on offense. I mean, it's hard to beat anybody when you're missing that many players on one side of the ball. So they've been in these games. They've made just enough key mistakes to lose them. And uh, they've got to start kind of making those plays that, that win the games because they're really they're not good enough to just come in and, and overcome mistakes. Let's look back for a second at the Bengals game. Um, you said going into that game that the single most important person on the team going into that game was Marshawn Lattimore. And, of course, he wasn't ready. He's not ready again tonight. So... Um, you you really believe that had he been in that game, it would have been a different outcome? Well, for that game especially, because the Bengals' strength is the receiving core. Now, every team's not built like the Bengals are, but the Bengals, they have three great receivers. Uh, you know, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. And not only was it Lattimore out, but I don't think people realize, like, this rookie that the Saints have, Alante Taylor, now he's back, and he should be playing Thursday night. Uh, they're very high on him. He's a big physical athlete. He fits exactly the way the Saints like to play defense in the secondary. He was out as well. And then P.J. Williams, who I know is not like a, a dominant player at this stage of his career, but he's a very solid, dependable safety that plays in their dime packages when they go to six defensive backs, which they would have played a lot against the Bengals. Uh, he was out. So they were really down to players like Chris Harris, who, Ricky, he wasn't even on the team two weeks ago. Uh, you know, this is a veteran player who was a very good player back in the day, but he walks in off the street, and Cincinnati went right after him on a lot of plays, and that's just how the NFL is. It's merciless. And they got, I think, cl close to 100 yards just on Chris Harris. I mean, he's not, he's not up to it right now at that level. He could probably play against most receivers, but these were elite receivers. So it just had a, a really detrimental effect on how the Saints could defend. And we saw over the course, they, they hung in there, but over the course of four quarters, eventually the dam was going to break, and, and it did. Well, I had this feeling uh, on the offensive side of the ball uh, that 
you know, when we kicked one field goal, then a second field goal, then a third field goal, uh oh, you know, I don't, I don't like where this is going. We'll come yeah. back to that in a second. But let's stick with let's stick with defense for a second. I saw them on the defensive line. They were they were doing stunts and all. They were trying all kinds of things to get pressure on the quarterback, and they had some success there. But boy, there were lots of times when that pocket just stayed strong, and you know. We don't have the challenges, and from an injury perspective, on the on the defensive line that we certainly had last year and in years past, and that's supposed to be the single strength for the team, and it just hasn't been. So, what what's your story on that? Well, I think the biggest area that they're struggling is defensive tackle. They're just not getting any production at all out of their interior defensive linemen, no matter who's in there. I mean, they they rotate in. They have David Onyemata and Shai Tuttle starting, and then they bring in Malcolm Roach and Catavius Street, and no one is really making a, a factor. If you watch the Bengals game, Ricky, their defensive tackles were impact players. I mean, they were they were shedding blocks and hitting Alvin Kamara and, and Taysom Hill in the backfield. Uh, you know, those are impact plays. They, you end up second and 12. Uh, that, that impacts a drive. And, and that's what they're not getting. They're not getting any of those kind of plays out of their interior defensive linemen. I know the, the, the glory positions of the ends. I think Cam Jordan and, and Marcus Davenport are playing fine. I, I don't think there's anything to be concerned about there. They don't get much out of their backup ends right now. And they really need Peyton Turner to come back. I think he's back now healthy. But he it was a first-round draft pick, and they're just not getting much out of him either because he's been hurt almost his entire career. So those things certainly are hurting this team. It all, you're, you're exactly right. It starts up front. The Saints have to be good up front on defense to be uh, what they want to be. Especially on Yamada. I mean, you think about all the preseason hype surrounding him and getting him back. I, I know that he was, uh, you know, he didn't practice with the team. Uh, you know, a lot uh, coming into the season. So, what? What is? Is there a chance? Of course, you know. Just to remind our listeners, uh, J- Jeff and I usually try to talk at least before the game. And in this case, he, he was traveling, so we're we're actually talking to him from Scottsdale. The game will have already played by the time this comes up. So, uh, so this is Friday, of course. Uh, so we're. We're sort of it's, it's kind of an odd thing because you, you already know what the score is, but we can still analyze the situation and talk about these players. And the reality is you you by now will have known if any of these uh, players that we're talking about stepped up to the plate, and let's hope that they did. When we come back, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about David Onyemata and why he has you – know, maybe he's just been slow to get back into the, the rhythm maybe. Let's, let's, we'll talk about that. We'll see you after this. or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. And like I said, when we went to break, 
we're talking to him. He's in Scottsdale. This is Thursday, but we usually record the show for with Jeff about 24 hours ahead of time. And in this case, we have a Thursday night game, and we're not scheduled to have him on the show until Friday. Uh, in the future, we'll we'll see what we can do to resolve that. But he would have been traveling; it we just wouldn't have worked anyway. So it is where it is. We can certainly reflect on the overall uh, situation related to the Saints today. In fact, I'm I'm about to pin Jeff down because he talks about there being two de- desperate teams. You know, which team comes out on top? We'll get there in just a second. But when we went to break. We were talking about David Onyemata and his slowness to to sort of be the dominant player we expected. What's your read on that? I think he's been a very big disappointment. Uh, I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat it, Ricky. He hasn't really been the same player since he came back from that suspension last year. If you remember, he missed the first six games of last season for a, a you know violating the league's uh, performance enhancement drug policy. And he just hasn't been an impact player anymore. Now, maybe are those things related? I don't know. But he definitely has not been that guy. And I think that the Saints will definitely be in the market to upgrade their defensive tackle position next season. The problem is they got to live with it right now, what they've got. There, you know, there's a reason that Dennis Allen and a lot of the defensive coaches were pushing really hard for this past draft. A lot of them wanted to draft Jordan Davis, the big defensive tackle from Georgia. He ended up getting drafted by the Eagles. But I know the Saints were very high on him because I think they felt like that the upgrade in their interior defensive line. And now I see why they were interested in him because uh, they definitely need an upgrade there. It's, it's one of the weak spots on this team. And I don't want to put everything on them, but they're just not getting much out of it. I think the, the Bengals game, all four of their defensive tackles combined made one tackle and, and no other plays in the game. I think one of them had one pressure. Uh, you know, you've got to get more out of those two positions. Right now, they're just not getting much out of that. Maybe they step up against Arizona and start turning things around because the Saints definitely need it. Yeah, it's a, it's really frustrating knowing that that is supposed to be a real plus for the Saints, you know, to watch the defensive line get blocked pretty effectively <laughs> and, and give a quarterback Way too much time to think about it. And then when you know you've got challenges in your secondary and some some of the best receivers in the league on the field, you just you, it's like watching in slow motion <laughs> what you know probably is going to happen. And it's just, I mean, when that pressure's not there, it ain't good, is it, buddy? Well, I mean, in, in defense, uh, Joe Burrow, I think, I think his average time to throw against the Saints was 2.5 seconds. That was like the fifth fastest in the league. He makes quick decisions and gets the ball out pretty darn quick, especially for a young quarterback. So I think that was also part of the plan. You know, they, they get the ball out quick. And now that also goes back to coverage. If, if the guy's covered, you can't get the ball out as quick. So they, they were having troubles in both phases. But th- those guys, those guys being the Bengals, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, they do that to a lot of people. I mean, yeah. they're really good players. Jamar Chase is, I'd say, one of the five best receivers in the league, if not better. And uh, the Saints, when they don't have Marshawn Lattimore, I mean, they're just not going to have anybody can match up with that guy. And then, like I said, the other injuries, uh, it's just difficult to overcome in a game like that where you have great receivers. If the Saints were playing, uh, you know, the Carolina Panthers in that game, they would have been able to hang in a lot better because they don't have a Jamar Chase on the Panthers. Yeah. Okay, so this is what this this um, in a way this kind of pins you down <laughs> because one of the things that you wrote about this week as we sort of switched the the chapter over to the 
to the offensive side, one of the things you wrote about was that you were concerned really concerned about what I just said a few minutes ago about these consecutive field goals and not being able to get into the end zone. And you felt like that was a pretty compelling case for Jameis Winston. And so what, okay. So looking, look at, okay, this is Friday. We're recording this on Thursday. We're going to look back at last night. What do you think we will be talking about today as it relates to Jameis Winston? Well, here's what I was trying to get across in that column. And I, and I think people misread it a little bit. Like, I don't think Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton honestly is the long-term answer for the Saints quarterback position. So I'm not saying Jameis Winston is, uh, you know, the the answer there. I think the Saints kind of know what they've got. I think they know what they've got in Andy Dalton. But that into that game, I've, I've turned late in that game when the Bengals got it to 26-24 with 3:40 left. I've turned to my colleagues and I said, either Andy Dalton's either going to win that job permanently right now or he's going to lose it because the game was in the Saints' hands. They had a two-point lead with 340 left. They get two first downs, the game's over, and they couldn't do it. Not only could they do it, they, you know, they got two drives and they couldn't do it. And to me, it looked like, one, Andy Dalton was afraid to try and throw the ball down the field or couldn't, and he's just he's too limited at this, this stage of his career. Jameis Winston has his own issues, but one of them is not physically being able to throw the ball. And and when he's healthy, what we saw from him last year, I think, is the best version of what the Saints can get at quarterback. Now, yeah. we didn't see that this year, but how much of that is due to his injuries? That's what I think people are confusing, right? You know, they, they're seeing what Jameis did in, in the Carolina game and the Tampa game, and I think they're – they're saying, we don't want that. We want Andy Dalton. And I get that. But I think when when Winston is healthy, he gives them a better option at quarterback because he he gives them a puncher's chance of making a big play. Like the end of the Arizona-Atlanta uh, game, the opener, the long ball to Jarvis Landry, and that's a throw that Andy Dalton can't make. Now, he might make more mistakes than Dalton, too. So you got to try and get this good version of Winston and, and peel back the mistakes and hope you can live with that the rest of the season, then address the quarterback position in the offseason. Actually, I think that your point about, you know, if you look at the latter part of the Atlanta game, the series of plays and the series of throws that happened then give you a good opportunity to see that when you have a healthy Jameis Winston, you know, he can move this offense in ways that that potentially Andy Dalton can't. Um, but and so, if yeah. Winston's got to avoid the mistakes, that's, yes. that's the but, right? We all know that. But I think he gives them at least somebody that can that – can, I think if you had Winston, a healthy Winston at the end of that game, they make enough throws to win it. Uh, Dalton couldn't do it, and it looked to me like the Saints were even scared to let him try to do it. <laughs> you know, that yeah. that's what really said a lot to me was they were very conservative – and not throwing that ball down the field. And, and you, that's not how you're going to win an NFL game. Jeff, one of the things that I, I, I noted was that that in light of the fact that, that so many receivers were out, I thought the Saints used a little bit of creativity in that game, the end around, for example. And just, I mean, they, they knew where their horses were, and they found unique ways to get it to them. And, you know, under the, under the limitations they had, they did a pretty good job of moving the ball around, didn't they? Yeah, the jet sweep to um, uh, Rashid Shaheed was a huge play in the game. Uh, that manufactured a touchdown uh, out of nowhere, out of a guy that I don't think anybody expected it from. I think they've got a big challenge 
going forward because they've got so many injuries. People don't realize like how big a factor Adam Troutman is in the running game. Uh, he's like one of their best blockers. When he went out along with Anders Pete against the Bengals, the Saints couldn't do a lot of those Taysom Hill runs. Everybody was like, "Where's Taysom Hill at the end of the game? Why didn't they use Taysom?" Well, they're missing two key blockers in that package, and they can't run it without Adam Troutman. So it really limited what they could do down the stretch. They needed to be able to to throw the ball. Cincinnati knew that Alvin Kamara was going to get the ball, and, and they had eight guys in the box, and there's just nowhere to run. So it got very difficult to move it late, and that's why I felt like they needed to throw the ball with Dalton and try and at least move the chains through the air. They they didn't even try it. So I think they need to continue to be creative. And I know that's easy to say when we're sitting here, you know, not not on the sidelines with, with the limited personnel the way that Pete Carmichael has. But they've got to try and be creative to manufacture points until they can get their receivers back. Chris Olave, um, I saw an interview with him, and he he really bounced back quick. He did get knocked out, but apparently he did really well in the protocol and uh, didn't seem to be any kind of lasting damage from that. I mean, he, he it, again, he was definitely knocked out. But he, you know, hearing him talk about it, <clears throat> once he ultimately came to – uh, he's really done really well in the protocol. Yeah, and look, he's a huge, huge piece to the puzzle there. He's the one receiver they really have that can get separation. Uh, we talked to him, and he said, yeah, I was I was out for a brief moment, and it looked, looked a lot worse than it was. I mean, he felt like after that game was over, he pretty much gotten back 100%. But, you know, they're going to be cautious with an injury like that, rightfully so, protect him from himself in that situation. Probably the best thing they did was sitting him out, but that hurt against Cincinnati because that was one more offensive weapon they didn't have. So as we uh, as we look back at last night, again, knowing that we recorded this on Thursday, what we would hope for is the defensive line pushes harder, gets more penetration, that Jameis comes back and is inspired, that Alave has a big game. The running game's been really good recently, as you pointed out at the beginning of the show. You've got a you know, it's the, the personality of the team is, is coming out. But hopefully we're looking back and all these players had a good good game and we're not uh, two and five because that would be a disaster. Three and four, we got hope. Final word, my friend. Well, yeah, three and four would be great. Two and five they can still recover from, but they come back home after that long break and they have two home games, winnable games against the Ravens and the Raiders. So it's still hope, but they just got to play better. Let's leave it at that. Play yeah. better, look good doing it come out of there with some confidence and get healed up during that long break as they get ready for the homestand. This has been Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. Have a great week, and we'll see him again next week. See you after this. Anyway, have a great day, my friend. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.